Hello and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 23. This week my guest is Diana McCartney and Diana writes suspense so stick around for that. She's a lovely lady and we had a bit of a chuckle. Um, so at my desk this week, well at my desk this week, well to be honest perhaps I should wish you happy new year because as I record this I'm in that funny time of year between Christmas and New Year, the kind of no man's land where you don't quite know what to do. And uh, and true to form, I don't quite know what to do either. So have I been at my desk? Mm, Not really. I've been sort of fiddling about. And the trouble is my office, which is just downstairs from the kitchen and kind of round the corner, because it's off the main living space of the house, it becomes the dumping ground whenever we have visitors or we're having a few people in for drinks. So it's full of, you know, the bag of wrapping paper, the Christmas presents you're going to take back, old shoes, bits of coats, cases of beer, half drunk bottles of wine. It's absolutely stacked with crap, basically. So I don't find it very conducive to getting any work done. But I have got in there and done a little bit of fiddling about on my new graphics tablet, which is propped up on a kitchen old um, picnic table, which is all a bit wobbly. But nevertheless, and also it's got my I've got my back to the room where I sit there so I can kind of ignore the mess for a minute. So I've been sitting in there doing a little bit of stuff. Have I been working on an ongoing project? Mm, No, I haven't. Uh, Should have been. But I've been actually drawing some cartoons which have kind of popped into my head in recent weeks. Um, which I think will probably go into a dog magazine if I can sell them. And I've got, I'm sort of doing a run of about 12, so I'll let you know if I manage to sell them and get some money for them. But I'm quite enjoying having a little fiddle, and it's quite a sort of um, easy thing to do to kind of get me into this um, new thing of actually drawing onto the surface of the graphics tablet, which I'm not quite used to yet, but I am getting there and um, I'm enjoying it. So, yeah, it's been a strange week. I've been kind of thinking about next year and what I want to achieve and kind of looking back on this year and what I have achieved and what I should have got done and didn't and all that kind of thing and kind of trying to ask myself about my workflow and exactly what I kind of want to get on with next year. So I think sometimes it's good to kind of take stock and have a little think. Anyway, come and meet Diana McCartney. I'm really excited this week on the Words and Pictures podcast to welcome award-winning author Diana McCartney. She is a traditionally published author who lives in Colorado and writes suspense featuring feisty women and brainy men. Her recent release is the Elijah Black trilogy, which features a pair of detectives tracking down serial killers in New York. So hello, Diane. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's lovely to have you. Yes, we've had a bit of a mix-up, folks, with the time because I'm very, very bad at maths, <laughs> and uh, I think I miscalculated it, which is highly likely. I ought to get my husband to do it. Really, he's he's much better at the maths. So you're 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 an early riser because it's it's the afternoon for me, and you're up nice and early, just had your breakfast, and you're one of these. Um, you look like you're very sparkly for first thing in the morning, Diane. Unlike <laughs> me, <laughs> it's my turquoise office. I think. Ah, uh-huh. yes, exactly. Yes. Good, good colour, I think, for thinking, I think. Yeah. So it's lovely to talk to you. So you're writing suspense and a bit like me, because I write grim, dark fantasy. And I think we don't look like we write such scary stuff, really, do we? No. <laughs> I get that all the time, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we look like we should write that romance stuff, really. Although you have got a couple of romances in your stable there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've won lots of awards and you're traditionally published. Have you always been traditionally published, Diane? Yeah, I, I'm. My publisher is, uh, a, I would say, a mid-size independent. Mm-hmm. It's an all-woman-run company, which I really like. 
and uh, they've they've been fabulous, actually. The Wild Rose Press in New York State. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's that's really nice. So you're having a really good experience with that because you're here good and bad on either side of this publishing thing because I think so many things are available now and some people, right. you know, don't have such a good experience, you know, either doing the indie thing or in fact being published, you know, traditionally published. So it's good to hear you're having a good a good feel of that. So I I mean I'm sure people ask you this, but why why the suspense then? What draws you yeah. to write that? I, I do get asked that a lot, especially from men who seem rather puzzled that I would write straight suspense most of the time. The truth is, I think most people who like mysteries and suspense are puzzle solvers. We we like puzzles and clues and that kind of thing. And we tend to like a little bit faster pace in our writing a lot of the time. That's what kind of suspense, mystery, suspense, thriller, that's what they deliver to you. Yeah, um, yeah. Mine can be, you know... A, on, on the dark side. And, and uh, that for me makes it interesting. You have to walk that line between being too dark and delivering a story that can appeal to a lot of people. And that, that's kind of an interesting line for me. Yes. Cause it, it, and also I think with all the stuff that's on television, cause there's some quite dark stuff on television. That's kind of on mainstream time times. Well, at least in England anyway. Um, yeah. And so I think people's, um, I think the bar is a bit higher for something that's darker these days. Would you say mm-hmm. that? Do you think you write more dark stuff more recently than before? Yeah, I would say probably the the Elijah Black trilogy, especially the first book, is a little darker than I've written before. It's because I wanted to write a book about a female serial killer that people would empathize with. And that's actually a lot of the feedback I'm getting, like a, a killer that you want to save from their life, which is what uh, Elijah Black really, really wants to do. He's the one who's who wants to stop her, but he wants to save her as well. Nice. Difficult tasks. <laughs> yeah, nice premise. I like that. I think that's I think that's pretty good. So you've got some some female baddies, which I think is great, not just your average femme fatale that you get in stories, you know, so something yeah. a little bit different there. She's not she's not average because in the beginning of the book, she's kind of at a manic stage where she's very proud of her killings and but the whole book is about how she devolves and falls apart and fractures and that was a very interesting process for me very kind of emotional process as well have you had um you know something in your past that enables you to understand that kind of thing did you work in the police force or my my, uh, husband and I and my daughter used to shoot competitively with policemen so we're very comfortable around policemen and have been for years. And actually, uh, one of those men uh, prompted the idea for this series, not so much the storyline, but more the detective himself. He was our friend Joe Tiroff, who was a homicide detective and a DA investigator in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, a, a very good friend who's deceased a number of years now. But he's, he's the one who inspired the detective himself. Mm. Oh, so that's interesting. So it's, it's based on somebody that you actually knew. So you can, yeah. yeah, so you've got all those mannerisms and what you think that person might be thinking at any given time, which it probably makes it set, read as a really, really real thing. Yeah, right. brilliant. Yeah, really good. Um, slightly slightly off tack here, because I, I was reading your stuff, obviously, I'll do my little bit of research, and I see that we have horses in common. Oddly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we have horses, because I grew up, uh, my early childhood was spent at a riding school, my my mother ran a, a very big riding school in the north of england so are there any horses in your stories ever 
Yes. Just, um, yep. Fear of the Night has a, a horse prominently in the story. Um, I always try to put horses and dogs as often as I can. Because yeah, yeah I me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was a riding instructor for 20 years. I taught yeah. hunters to jumpers. And yeah. uh, I had to give it up for physical reasons, but uh, a very happy part of my life. Yeah. Yes. I love, I love, love, love of horses. Yes. I, I could, my sister rode competitively. Um, uh, I never did. I've just hack. I can, I can ride, you know, but sure. just, you know, ride through the forest, what we call, I don't know whether you call that in, in Colorado, we call it hacking, just, yeah. just riding out, you know, going for a trot sort of thing. Uh, and not that I do it now, I've got older, but yeah, happy days. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting how these things permeate down, you know, into your life, things that have happened to you and you sort of think, oh, you know, you put a horse in or dogs or stuff like that. Yes, it's it's interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think when people say write what you know, that's actually what they're talking about is use yeah. your experiences to color your books. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And for you, you're doing that with, you know, with people that you've met and people that you've spoken to. And so and that's kind of come through in your writing. Fascinating stuff. And um, what about um, New York City? Uh, so you're, you're we're talking I'm here in England and you're in um, Colorado, but your Elijah Black trilogy is set in New York. Do you know the city well? Um, I have been to New York several times and uh, felt comfortable enough making that the base. Uh, I don't put a huge amount of city details because I'm not a person that incorporates a heavy, heavy description. But I'd like if you've I guess you've never been to New York. It's it's really a city unlike any others. It has a life of its own. It does, it's a yeah. very, very interesting city. So that's why I elected to set that there in New York. Yeah. And as as that part of the interest of doing it, sort of working out and you know, it's it's kind of I think a lot of writing, although you say you write feel you know, you write what you know, and I think a lot of us do, but also I think there's an element of enjoyment in also discovering or learning more about something as as one creates your you know whatever stories you're doing and I think that's I think that's great fun yeah brilliant I think that's true I mean a, a little way that that colors into that story is uh, Elijah inherited a brownstone from his parents and anybody that knows New York knows that they're very famous for their historic brownstones you know it's fun to put those little details in yeah, yeah. And they're great, those houses, aren't they? Those great big houses with big steps going up. Yeah, I've only been to New York oh. once, um, mm-hmm. but we, we were there for a, about a fortnight. And, and it, obviously, it's quite a long way from for us. Um, but it was um, it was very rainy because it was in the spring. But it was it is an amazing city. Anyway, um, because this is the words and pictures diet, I have to ask you about your book covers. Um, as a traditionally published author, do you get much say in your book covers or or do they just decide it for you? Or how, how do they come into the world? Well, the Walrose Press, I think, is a little bit different. Um, technically, they say you you can't yay your nay on a cover, but what they do is say, "How do you see the cover for this book?" Oh, great! So that you get a first off, they're asking you what you think. Exactly. That's nice. So I just kind of say, "Here's what I see. I I trust you." You know, I do like. I tend to like. Um, good contrast on the covers and that's about all I've said is I I don't like pale colors I like kind of vibrant contrast on the colors and I will say I I've loved my covers especially the last few have got a lot of of compliments from readers and such which is always nice to hear the the artist is Kim Mendoza she's done my last four I think and three or four and uh they're they're lovely yeah. yeah, yeah, they look, and I think they're very genre specific, which I think is what you need because I think it's no good having some bit of artwork on there that might be 
you know pertinent to the story but if it doesn't if it doesn't fit with the genre then you're lost really you know it's all about at the end of the day you want people to buy work and and you know and people do judge your book by your cover unfortunately if they've never heard of you (laughs) that's what they do you know you're looking through loads of whatever you've put into that search engine and your book might come up you want it to have that have that thing yeah well i think they look good so i think you're you're doing well um so what's your work in progress then if you've got your elijah trilogy out elijah black trilogy out what what are you working on now then well my my 10th book is with just with my editor now it should come back any day now and it's uh, called breathing fire and it's about an arsonist killer Uh uh-huh so um i'm looking forward to that yeah i've I've seen the cover it's lovely too i haven't put it out yet but another good job so. Yeah, so not more more suspense. Do you think you'll write more romance? Because you've got a couple of little. Obviously, you're a bit romantic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm always surprised when people are scared to say they read romance because romance, of course, is the best-selling genre and has been for years. Uh, suspense books come a fairly close second, but still, romance is ruled. I write a contemporary romance if I feel it. I, my, my first couple really are romance. You know, I get just as much enthusiasm about those books as I do about the suspense. It it just depends on story, doesn't it? I mean, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I heard on one of your other talks that uh, you are quite widely read as far as genre goes, and I'm the same. Oh, everything, way. everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I just read whatever comes under my nose. I, a teacher once told me read everything from the pickle jar upwards, <laughs> and, and I thought actually that's a really good thing. It's really stuck with me. And, and I and I'll read anything. I, I read I read fantasy. I read romance. I read uh, suspense and thrillers and historical fiction. And I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a bit of smut. I read kids' <laughs> books because I also write for children. You know, I read everything. So it doesn't. I don't have any anything. And, and I love the way you know when you get on the um, the Kindle. You know, it, it just doesn't know what to show me. <laughs> It's completely, it's completely confused. It's really, it's really very, very, very confused, you know, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. It doesn't just go, oh, this is what you like. Here you are. It just goes, um, well, you might like this cookbook and uh, also this uh, very scary book over here. Yeah. Or would you like this book for three-year-olds? Yeah. Well, no. Well, it's funny because the the folks that like my suspense say, oh, I can't believe you write those scary books too. And the folks who, 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 well, or vice versa, you know, the ones that like my suspense say they can't believe I write, as they put it, gushy books. But if, you know, if you've read my romance, you realize they're not particularly gushy. They are romantic. They are, you know, some of them sensual, but they are not gushy. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people still think of romance like it was in the 50s and 60s, which was a very gushy time. You know, Prince Charming comes and saves the day and stuff. My romances are not at all like that. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's good to write what you want. And also, I think these days, I think especially with the advent of the of the indie publishing thing, I think um, even if you're traditionally published, I don't think they can keep you in a box as much as they did if they said oh well you write this and we need more of the same I think these days authors can go well if you don't want to publish it I will and right. um you know and, and and I know lots of hybrid authors that do you know publish traditionally and also write other stuff and publish it themselves because nobody wants it but they're going to write it anyway right. and I think as a creative I think we have you know, many creative things that we can do. And I think that's really good to be able to express that and not be put in a box, I think. 
Mm. Yeah. And I think if you're with an all-woman all publishing house, I should think that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of the things I like the best, best about writing. People who know me know that I was a contest girl for years before I became published. And one of the smart things I did is once I started winning awards, um, I would add one new thing to, to my entry list every year. So I tried humor and I tried inspirational and I tried all these and I ended up winning things in that too. So I think it teaches you that you can write a lot of things and it opens a lot of doors. You don't have to limit yourself in, in any way. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I think that's good. I've, I've never gone in for competitions ever. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't, it's just one of those things. But yeah, so is that, would you say that's, bigger in Colorado that kind of thing not, or am not I just not in yeah my, actually my favorite contest is the Oklahoma Writers Federation contest and the reason is well I'm a little frugal and it's a very inexpensive contest compared to most they have about 34 divisions 35 divisions and if you're a member which only costs 30 dollars if you pay another 30 dollars you can enter one thing in all of those competitions if you wish if, if you're that good that you can write 35 different things, you know. Um, so I started, you know, with them and and they became my favorite conference and contest above everybody because they're much less expensive than a lot of these other places. And the prize money is good and it's a good way. My, my plan was when I first started writing seriously, I didn't have enough time to market. So I didn't try to get published. But what I thought was, if I can rack up a lot of wins, then when I go to sell, that's going to catch, you know, a company's eye, a publishing company's eye. And that is what happened. I was able to walk in and say, no, I'm not published, but here I've got 50 wins or whatever, 50 placings. And and that really showed them that I could write a lot of things. Yeah, it gives you that great validation, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, brilliant. So I've noticed that you also judge competitions now. You've kind of moved on to the other side of it. So you're, you're sort of judging uh, judging different competitions. So I'm going to ask you this, which you probably also get asked rather a lot, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, what, what advice would you give to new writers? I do a talk called The Fabulous First Five Pages. And in it, we talk a lot about how people don't understand the first few pages of a of any submission are incredibly important because they are the sometimes the only thing that a judge or an editor or whoever will see. So you have to grab that person into the book immediately. You can't say, oh, keep reading because it gets better on page five. You've already lost them. Mm-hmm. You know, you've lost, you've lost that opportunity. So I would say that's the first thing that young writers or, or new writers don't understand how strong that has to be and how important it is that it is very tight. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really good, really good advice. And, you know, it's, it's been said before, but you, we keep on saying it. Don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think also it's, um, do, what, what similar mistakes do you, do you see new writers make? Well, I think a lot of writers do not understand how important characterization is. They think, you know, describing a person's exterior is all they really need to differentiate from character to character. And I always think, oh, gosh, no, because that's never the interesting part of someone is how they look. 
And to be honest with you, I kind of use myself as an example. I always say, if you were going to write me as a character, I'm a pretty extra curvaceous chick. So you would probably plunk me on a sofa and give me a donut and call it a day. And the (laughs) truth is that I hike six days a week. You know, I, I eat really well and have great blood pressure, but I have a weird disease that kind of ruined my body basically. And so I have to have a sense of humor about it. So I kind of say, if you were going to write me as a character, you would totally miss the point. If you just looked at my exterior, you would miss everything that's interesting. So uh, the other thing I say is if you want to write good characters, you have to be interested in people and in watching people and listening to people, because that's how you learn to write good characters. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's fascinating. I think it's very fascinating when you watch um things on television like um or hear it on the radio, uh, and they have these dating things. You know, people <laughs> trying to date. And mm-hmm. I always think it's very interesting if they if the two whoever they are the girl or the boy or the two boys or the two girls or whatever whoever the two people that are trying to meet somebody else, and or if if when they're asked what their ideal date is if all they talk about is what that person looks like I always think that's really sad because mm-hmm. they're looking for somebody you know blonde or red-headed or tall or fit or you know and it's all about you know and what clothes they wear and stuff like that and, and I just think you're never going to find a relationship because like that, <laughs> that's actually got nothing to do with it you know? that's funny you say that because when my daughter was younger she used to talk about her how her she's quite tall and she would say my perfect guy is you know six feet and has dark hair and this and that and and I would kind of chuckle at her and I said listen love comes in all kinds of packages honey don't limit yourself to that tiny pool you know you want someone who will you know treat you not like a princess, but like a living, breathing human being, and they don't come in many red packages. And sure enough, she she married someone who's about the same height as her and totally different from what she described. Yeah. So it's a good life lesson, I think. But, yeah. you know, when it comes to character, I had a, a friend submit a book to me and we were we were talking about the pros and cons. And I said, your biggest weakness is your characterization. You know, and I said, for instance, here, here's a great you know, section where you could have so much emotion and there's nothing. And she said, well, I said he was sad. And I said, I don't want you to, you know, to tell me he was sad. I want to hear his breath cut. I want to see the tears on his face. I want to see the tension in his jaw. I want to see it. I don't want to hear it, you know. <laughs> and she was yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's very true. It's, it's the whole show don't tell thing, isn't it? I think right. I, I think what's quite interesting I, I get off because I've been in this indie space for a long time quite often people ask me to read a bit of their stuff and I always say I'll just read like you say the first few pages and I find um the passive voice is very prevalent with women writers and, and I think it's because we're sort of a little bit we can be a bit um a bit of an imposter syndrome and I think sometimes it comes out in the writing they kind of write in this kind of passive way which is sort mm-hmm. of writing in a more immediate this happened and that happened, they say, oh, well, this might have happened and it's seemingly or something, you know, which I think is, you know, do you know what I mean? It's this strange I, sort of thing. And I sort of think, and you yeah. must put that aside and go, well, you're the narrator. This is your story and you can own it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just be a little more confident with word usage and, you know, have it be a little more natural instead of almost pacifying it 
to an extent it's not interesting anymore <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but yeah it's, it's great fun um so what's your favorite social media diane i've seen you i well obviously we met on twitter and um mm-hmm. and i see you're on um instagram. instagram is that just the two that you do i do twitter and instagram facebook uh, I'm all, I'm also on LinkedIn, but that's kind of more limited because it's more of a professional, mm-hmm. strictly professional site. I would say my biggest is Twitter. Yes. That's, that's the one I find the easiest. Uh, I do Twitter, Instagram every day without yeah. fail. And I've done pretty well for followers on them so far. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I quite, I quite like those. Um, I, I also do the TikTok um, as you probably heard me talking about before, um, I quite like that. That's quite a new thing for me, but I, I quite like it over there. It's quite good fun. Um, do you do um, paid ads as well for your stuff or does the publishing house deal with that? I'm mostly at this point, because because I do have pretty good following already on social media, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't pay for a ton of, ton of ads on that. I do pay for, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Fussy Librarian. Yes, I have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I do. I do put ads there. I find them quite good, and they're quite reasonable as well. Yeah. Um, other than that, really, I just count on you know personal appearances and and working hard on social media. I'm, I've probably done a little bit more paid stuff this year, and I will probably continue because that worked out well for me. I haven't experimented too much with Amazon ads. To be honest with you, this idea of bidding for an ad really bothers me. <laughs> the concept of it, so. I'm not sure that's an option for me or not. Yes, I've I've done the Amazon ads. Um, I can't really make it stick. I have to say, it's kind of comes and goes. I, you know, sometimes you'll have a a couple of good days and you'll think, why was that? And then it's kind of not as good. And you know, it is expensive, and you've really got to bite the bullet and think, right, I've really got to go for it. And I think if you can't actually spend, you know, uh, justify spending quite a lot of money towards it, right. Then, then I feel, um, you know, it, it does feel like you're throwing tenors into the wind, really. You know, yeah. it feels like you're throwing money into the wind a little bit and it's just blowing past the window. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit like, oh, yeah. So I don't know whether I'm just too mean to really grasp the nettle and go, right, here I'm going to spend, you know, this amount of money and I'm going to have a budget and I'm really going to go for it. I'm a, bit, bit, I'm a bit shy of it, really. It feels like gambling, like you say. Yeah, this is tricky. And, and like you say, if you, if you work on the social media, you can, you know, you, you can make yourself known and sell books. I mean, that's how I do it, you know, so. Yeah, I've, I've got a lot of new readers from social media. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They'll, they'll contact me afterwards and, and say, hey, I didn't know who you were. I just saw you here and I really liked your book, which is always good good to have that feedback because then you know your efforts aren't going, you know. But social media can be, you really have to kind of figure out what works for you because up till this year, I, I let my daughter do my ads and they were a lot more conservative than I would have done. And then she got really busy this year. So I took them over and I'm, I'm kind of more, <laughs> as you can, you personally can see with the office, I like color and uh, I'm a little bit artistic when it comes to design. So I, I got a Canva pro, you know? Um, yeah, Canva I know. Pro, yeah. I've got and that. I make, yeah, I make all my ads now and I've had really, really good response from them. So it was definitely worth finding out that people just liked, you know, those type of ads a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, colorful, flamboyant ads. Yeah. Do you find more certain colors work better than others? I just like bright colors. So I always try and incorporate something kind of artistic 
in the background as long as the books can pop off it I'm happy kind of thing so yeah just yeah because that's what you do with your Instagram isn't it you've got artwork different yeah. artwork going through of different artists well-known artists a lot of the time and then and then every now and again there's a there's your book there's your book ad it's quite nice yeah right. I thought it was quite a different way of doing it because I don't know whether art's part of your stories but it, but um, Really, I'm just interested in art and design and those kinds of things. It's not not anything I have any education about. It's just something I find quite fun. And thanks for saying that because I do post art pretty much every day. And I've had people say, really, your ads look like just another piece of art, which is yeah. always really nice to hear that because yeah. it makes the effort worthwhile. Yeah. Oh, well, well, there's something else we've got in common because I, I like colour as well. And, uh, <laughs> I, but I don't like gardening and my husband does the gardening. And uh, and so he said, shall I do the pots? And this time of the year we put like winter um, cyclamens in. And, and I said, yes, I usually we just put the cyclamens in because he's just retired. So he's completely taken over the garden. So he goes off to get the cyclamens and he says, oh, what, what shall I get? And I said, well, don't buy white ones. And he said, oh, right, I know that. And he said, I know that because I don't particularly, I don't dislike white flowers, but if I have a flower, I would much rather it was bright, any mm-hmm. colour, but I don't really want no colour. Yeah. You know, so, so if you bring me a bunch of white flowers, yes, I can see that they're beautiful and it's all very tasteful, but I'd rather they were orange, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. yeah. When, my, when my husband was painting this office, he, he rolled a few rolls and then he said, are you sure you wanted this bright? Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I said, yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I got I that. Color inspiring. Yes, I do. And actually, I find some colours more, um, you know, some colours are restful, but some colours help you think. I think like I quite like this. You know, I'm looking at Diane in her office here and behind her, she has this lovely sort of tealy blue wall, which which is very pretty indeed. And yeah, I can I can see that, you know, um, there's not much wall in my my own office. It's just covered in there's just so much stuff in there. There's not a lot of wall to paint. But um, yes, it is. It is nice. I've got my bedroom painted pink. And my husband said when he was rolling that, he said, are we sure about this? And I said, <laughs> Yes, we are. I am anyway. And he's like, oh, all right, we'll turn the light out, you know. And he, he painted, painted it anyway, but he wasn't keen, I have to say. Yeah. No, exactly. Because I think the world's gone very taupe and very tasteful and everybody's got white walls and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm... Well, here in the US, you know, say for kitchens, all the kitchens now are gray and white. Every yeah. kitchen you yeah. see everywhere. And it's so boring to me. I'm sorry for yeah. those with gray and white kitchens. It's yeah. just not me, you know. And we're having ours redone. And they brought us all these gray samples. And I said, no to everything gray. I am not a gray girl. You know, give me warm browns and pretty golds. I'm fine. But don't give me don't give me gray. I just find it depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you're right, actually. I like a bit of color. And I find my husband likes it all very 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 tasteful and gray and white and all of this thing. and then I like my favorite color is red and then you just see these little pops of red these red cushions appear and then I buy a red teapot and then I buy, and so basically it's like the whole house is like punctuated with with red yes absolutely yeah yeah it, it is it is an interesting thing yeah I don't know how we've got on this tack but there we are but yes but that's what you say and I think going back to the social media conversation that this all started with I think what's important is that when you do your social media and I think you're finding it's working even better for you now you're doing it yourself I think it comes through if you are 
if if you, it's not just somebody just you know uh, scheduling things you know if, if there's got a bit of you in it it comes across and it's amazing how people can pick up on that no matter what that something is you know whether you know like you say it's the color and it's the art and it's the different things and i think that makes all the difference really it's it's, it's about being genuinely your own self i think it was interesting this year for me just to notice that because my retweets went up by about you know a hundred percent or more and my book sales also went up a hundred percent or more over this year. So I think it makes more difference than you think, like you say, to have a more personal approach. And, you know, I can't say I just want to see my face everywhere on social media, but people really do like knowing that, yep, that's really you, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think they do. I think it's interesting if you just sort of just say a few things occasionally, there's nothing, nothing about selling books or whatever you're just talking about. You know, and obviously I'm British, so I will talk about the weather because that's what we do. But, you know, but other things as well, you know, joking aside. And I think it's interesting to to do that because it, it helps people to connect with you as a person. And I think anybody that's connecting with writers, you know, they, they, they want to know that you are, you know, an actual human being at the end of the page, really. Yeah, right. Fascinating stuff. Diane, what does your writing day look like? Uh, you already told me that you're an early riser because it's very early in the morning there for you. Um, do, do you get to your desk first thing? Yes, much to my husband's horror, I get up at four o'clock in the morning <gasps> just because I like to, <laughs> which puzzles him because he's not an early morning person. But I get up and I do all my social media and answer all my email and that kind of thing right off the bat. So it's it's done and taken care of. And then I actually read for an hour and then my husband and I go for a hike every morning for about 40 minutes with a friend and then breakfast. And then I go right back in for about five hours of writing, just straight writing, not interrupted by anything else. And I do that Monday to Friday and take the weekends off. So it's pretty much a, a full-time job still. I, I retired from my other jobs early so that I would have a lot of time to be able to do exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. So that enables me to get, get it all done by lunchtime, a late lunch. And then my husband and I can spend the rest of the day together. So. Yeah, that's, that's good. That, that's a good thing. And I think it's, it's about routine really. I'm the other way. I'm not very good first thing in the morning. <laughs> I, you know, I would love to be able to get up and go, Ooh, you know, but no, I, the whippet who sleeps in my bed, she likes to get up about, about half seven eight o'clock and then we kind of go down and I feed her and then I feed me and and then I walk about and I do chores in the morning so I sort of sort the house out I might do a bit of food and a bit of laundry take the dog for a walk and about half past ten after I've walked her I live on the beach and then I come home and then and then I write and then I kind of write through the day then really pretty much or I'm doing artwork one or the other right but I can't I can't do it first thing in the morning it's like my head's full of Fuzz, you know, but you're one of these cheerful people in the morning, aren't you, Diane? You're jumping out of bed and going, ah. <laughs> and, and, and people who aren't morning people find it really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really, really annoying. You see, you'd get on with my husband because he's up at five o'clock. Mm. Yeah, he's up at the crack and he's like whistling and all the rest of it. And I'm just like, oh, no, you know. Yeah, yeah. It must be lovely. Yes, I wish it I wish it was me. Because I, I always feel that if people can get started first off, I think you get more done. Or, or but then, that. yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. But yeah. you probably work later in the day than I do, too. You know, I'm not a good evening person. If I had to write in the evening, I probably wouldn't write. 
Yeah, I'll I'm, probably go back to my desk after we've eaten in the evening for a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah definitely. I yeah. can do that. Yeah. yeah. So Cuz I'm in I'm in flow then and I I've stopped to eat, you know. And then and then Paul will probably clear the kitchen up and I'll go back in and just just knock up you know, just carry on for another hour or so, you know, until I've yeah. sort of finished my, my, I always say, I'm just, I'm just going to finish my train of thought, I say, as I waft off into the office and shut the door, you know. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, it well, is. When, when I give seminars, I always say, please give me mornings because that's when I'm revved up to go anyway. And that's what you need for a really good presentation. Yeah. So I say, just get me before one and I'll deliver whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> is. One, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's very it's it's very much a personal thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you've done marvelously well, and I th- I'm glad we got you at the crack of dawn. So, uh-huh. where can people find you, Diane, um, online? Online, I'm I'm on uh, uh, Twitter, and I'm author D McSee on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram, Diane McCartney twelve hundred. Um, I'm also on. Uh, Facebook, if you want to look me up, it's Diane McCartney and uh, and LinkedIn as well. Yeah. So, and you've got a website? Yeah. And my website's easy. It's just dianemccartney.com. Brilliant. Yep. So we just look for Diane McCartney to find. Stick it in Google, folks. You'll be fine. And uh, and I'll put all that in the show notes for everybody so they can find your bits and pieces. And, and, um, and good, of course, books. Goodreads and Bookbubs, Bookbub as well, of course. Yeah. 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 So you've got, you've got, you're doing all that as well. Yeah. That's it. Brilliant. Well, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you for coming along. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Lovely to talk to Diana. What a nice lady. Oh, well, so there we are. That's Diana. And you can find the things in the show notes. If you go to my website at djbowmansmith.com, you can find all the little links and things that we've talked about will be written in there. Um, so next week, next week, I'm actually going to do a solo episode, just me having a little chat about who I am and what I do. And I'll be having a bit of a chat about that old chest chestnut, the multi-income model. And I think you remember there's been a bit of a hoo-ha lately about what authors earn. And I think this was very focused on um, traditionally published authors. Um, and of course, I'm an independent author and I'll be telling you my take on that kind of thing and um, why the multi-income model is actually quite a good thing. So stick around for that. And uh, that's next week. In the meantime, Happy New Year and thanks for listening. Don't forget the Words and Pictures podcast comes out every Monday, even if it's just after Christmas. <laughs> and uh, I hope you'll come along and listen next week to me having a bit of a chat. In the meantime, Happy New Year and thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye bye.